recurrently of Five Scotland. You're listening to Films and Swearing, a movie podcast with your host, Stuart Sutherland. Welcome one, welcome all to Films and Swearing. Yes, it is me, Stuart Sutherland, and I am still flying solo for this week. As I mentioned in our previous episode, life, life gets in the way. Mikey is a fucking a head chef, so boy's got functions, and he's been travelling to Manchester. And at this moment, uh, when this episode's published, I should be on fucking holiday. A sweet little caravan uh, up over in Edinburgh, just chilling out, hopefully having a beer and just watching some films, reading a book, obviously uh, looking after my children also, but... Aye, having a much-deserved wee break-off from the day job. So, but of course, this is like the second day job. One that you always really want to do. So I just wanted to make sure you guys got some content. So I am continuing our IMDB season. Whilst on my Todd, I am going to be talking to you about... Uh, Pete Doctor and Ronnie Del Carmen's film, Inside Out, from Disney Pixar. Now, where does this sit in IMDb? It sit it is ranked at one hundred and fifty. So, yes, and and that's it. The Pixar films are dead fucking popular, and Disney films are dead popular on IMDb. You could really find quite a few of them. And obviously, we've spoke about this already. We've covered the likes of Toy Story. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the like, Incredibles is in there. Ratatouille. There's some wonderful fucking Pixar films, and they always manage to knock them out of the park. And I think uh, Inside Out, well, obviously, not giving my opinion right away, but it is a wonderful fucking film. Uh, so that's like as recent as 2015, where they could still come up with completely original stories and create all these new wonderful characters that fucking children will love for years to come. But before I get there... Uh, let's talk a bit more about our directors. Obviously, the film was written and directed by Pete Doctor, who's got credits for Up, Inside Out, Monsters Inc., and Wally. And uh, Ronnie Del Carmen, uh, he obviously co directed Inside Out. Uh, he's also been uh, started originally as a storyboard artist, uh, working on films such as Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron, uh, Up. And in uh, 1993s, this will give him like some geek cred right here. 1993. Pardon me. That fucking spicy pizza just came back up. So yes, 1993s, Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. That's a fucking popular animated film, isn't it? I think I started it, but I never finished it. I remember it being on a uh, Love Film when they had like an online version to their DVD rental site, and the player was never the best. So, the film stars Amy Poehler as Joy, Phyllis Smith as Sadness, Richard Kind as Bing Bong, Bill Hader as Fear, Lewis Black as Anger, Mindy Kaling as uh, Disgust, and Caitlin Days as Riley, Diane Lane as Mum, and Kyle MacLachlan as Dad. Now, the plot to this film... After young Riley is uprooted from her Midwest life and moves to San Francisco, her emotions, joy, fear, anger, disgust and sadness, conflict on how to best navigate a new city, house and school. Now, 
This is not a first time watch for me. I caught this in cinemas originally back in 2015 and it was the first film that I took my son to where he was um, old enough to kind of pay attention to what was going on and he actually lasted the the full length of the film. Now this was like 90, 95 minutes but it was one of these ones where obviously he's a little kid. He's, he's on the verge of turning six this year. So he was still just a fucking a wee bairn when I took him to see Inside Out. But so the whole reason that he actually managed to fucking sit through the film was because he fell asleep halfway through it. I think he was like in a sausage roll induced coma. I remember sweeping the crumbs off the fucking couch in the cinema. And then he kind of came to life towards the end of the movie where you had the, the montage of all the the animals and people and all their emotions kicking off. And he just climbed down from the couch and just ran circles in the cinema hall. So yeah, I kind of cheated, but still, this was one of these films where I also kind of wanted to see it myself. And like most, most I was like Dixie, no, like most Disney Pixar films, this came with like a short movie playing before it. And it's the one called Lava, where it is like a like a mount, like a lava mountain singing a song about finding its true love, and it fast forwards many years, and now the, the volcano is a good age, and it's not as hot as it used to be, and it's getting tired, and the water's rising, and it keeps singing this sad like love song about finding its true love, and it just sings, sinks into the sea, and you're like. Holy shit, this is fucking depressing. Oh, this is like just fucking so real. I feel so fucking sad for this volcano. And as he just becomes submerged underwater, there's a woman starts singing and she's looking for like a wee island. And you're like, no, it's true. The woman he looks, he's drowning. And then there's just this big eruption. They find each other and they're all happy. And then your fucking two, three year old son's looking at you wondering why you're crying in a cinema. Because Oshia Bassett, it fucking happens. Like, those wee fucking short films catch you off guard. And it's just it's just a fucking trap just to make a parent look like an absolute dick in front of their child. A greeting fist dick. There you go, that's uh, three words I did not expect to say during my review of Inside Out. Um, as I said, this film is fucking wonderful. Like, Pixar do so well with their films. And the fact it's a... There's a tagline about... Meet the little voices inside your head. And it has this great introduction where Joy, by played by Amy Poehler, does all these wonderful things. Tells you the life of Riley and how everything's perfect. And then, all of a sudden, they move to San Francisco and that's like your opening title sequence. And you get to see like the Golden Gate Bridge and all this stuff. And you're just thinking, oh shit. Like their peaceful life has now just been uprooted. And what possibly could go wrong? And... It could be one of these films like, man, this film's kind of got to do about, like, maybe, like, mental illness. Like, what happens if folk lose their joy and their fucking sadness and they're just ran by anger and disgust and fear? Like, imagine all the rational decisions you'll make if you live like that. And the film, I mean, let's see, you're, let's talk about the fucking characters. I, I love the voice actors in this film. Like... You people will know him for fucking several things now. Amy Poehler, I mean, people would know her. Uh, Amy Poehler and Bill Hader specifically. You'll remember them from 
uh, Saturday Night Live, Bill Hader was in Superbad, Amy Poehler was in Parks and Rec, uh, Phyllis Smith would play Sadness, her and Mindy Kaling both came from The Office, and Phyllis Smith is brilliant, like, she also plays a character named Phyllis in The Office, and well, her character is always usually on the bum end of some deals, so she does kind of come across as Sadness at times, but people like Louis Black, I don't know a lot about. Richard Kind. Now, he's a fucking character and a half. He plays the imaginary friend Bing Bong. And it's just like one of these things that, oh man, we all had imaginary friends as kids. As a kid. And the wee, like, fucking different, like, his wee backstory said, oh, hey, Joy talks about being at all his concerts and you get to see all these wee antics and Riley running about our house with her imaginary friend. But we see the friend there. And there's this one fucking line that Richard Kind delivers that makes me laugh every time I hear it. Because it's something like he's raking through his bag and he's pulling everything out. And I think he drops the kitchen sink on his foot and he starts crying, like wailing, crying. And it's just the sounds of sweets hitting the ground. And it's just the, the way he says, I cry candy. And it's a fucking, this brilliant reaction. The way he delivers the line always brings fucking joy to me. So... But it is, it's one of these wonderful little films where it's just an original idea. Like Ratatouille, I fucking adore Ratatouille, but this one, it's just like, it's a fucking film about growing up and how life changes and how we fucking cope with it and how it's never fucking perfect, but families grow stronger and you're like, holy shit, is it, is, oh, they just want to make me cry. It is, it's just such a beautiful fucking story. And the, the fucking, the twist when... Joy and sadness gets fucking thrown out of out of her brain, more or less, or out of I don't know. Let's say the control center into the brain and the the, the fucking design, like the inside her head, how it is all the wee curves and textures on the ground. It is the brain that they're running around in. It's just such clever little designs. I mean, their sequences like the the reoccurring gag about the triple dent gum commercial. Always makes me laugh. And how it just fucking pisses off. Because like, we've all had that thing where it's like, oh man, it's an advert you've heard on the radio. And it's it's in your head. And then it's fucking, or just, I don't know, Baby Shark. Like, people with children will probably now hear that song in their head and have probably cursed me out loud. Uh, or for adults, like Gangnam Style, when you hear things like that, you're probably dancing a bit as if you're riding an imaginary pony as we speak. If you do, you could tweet me and I'll laugh and I'll feel better about myself. But um, even when Joy and Sadness have to team up with Bing Bong to find their way back to the control centre, where they take the shortcut through, was it like abstract thought? And it's just how fucking clever the film is, like where they have, it's all these things you've heard where they they reference deja vu, uh, they talk about uh, the train of thought, it's just so wonderful that they make these actual things in like in Riley's little brain. But when they go through abstract thought and they all start changing, going two-dimensional, falling apart, and it's Bing Bong saying, come on, this is a shortcut. Look, it spells out D-A-N-G-E-R. Shortcut. And you're just like, ah, oh, this film is so fucking charming and clever. And funny, like, it's, it's one of those ones where your children will love it because the characters are all colourful, like, Blue, yellow, red, they're just so happy, colourful, lively characters. 
yet there's all these jokes where there's adults where they've grown up, they've they could understand half of these life references for themselves and could probably see their kid going through these changes and you think, holy shit, this film is next level, whereas your kids will enjoy it and you'll probably fucking really enjoy it too. Uh, and another good moment I'd like to bring to your attention is the dream sequence. There's a, part, a moment where they're obviously trying to get the attention. They're trying to wake Riley up so that the train of thought could continue. Uh, so when it's in the dream world, it's like a, it's like a, almost like an SNL set. They've got all these people there. They've got the script. They're planning to do this. There's, there's like little memory people, uh, emotions in our head, playing characters, and it's like our first day at school. But for joy and sadness to wake Riley up, it's that great bit where they they dress up as a dog and just run on the set because it's it's the typical dream of. You're in school and you realise you've got no pants on. Now, obviously in America that's like, oh, my trousers are missing. But in Scotland it's like, oh, my willy's hanging out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, totally different dreams. But it's the the fear of like her feet, her teeth were falling out and she's got no pants on. But then to have Joy and Sandish run in, dressed as a big dog, to just try and wake up. And it's good because they also have another perspective where you have the characters in the control center watching the dreams, so it is a dis- no, it's fear, doing sort of like the the night guard duties, right, just sitting there watching the dream sequence, making sure everything's all right, and it is like he's just watching late night television, eating a fucking bowl of ice cream, and he's sitting going, this is weird, I don't know where this is going, and it's joy and sadness as this dog, and they kind of decide which way to go, so when they fucking split the costume in half. It's just a shot of a dog splitting in two, and it's it looks like a like a big fucking ham joint in the middle, and you're like, <sighs> fucking fear just spits out his cereal, and he's like, what the fuck's going on? But the wee shocked expression on the dog's face is priceless. Now, as I said, obviously this could be like a an emotional teary film for some people, and I'll I'll admit I'll, I've probably choked up at this film before, but I feel I have seen it maybe close to ten times now, just because. Seen it in cinema, showed it to the family, it's been on TV, uh, the kids want to watch it, I've watched it in preparation for the podcast, and thankfully it is a really easy film to watch, and with a respectable running time. So, but the one of the sequences that choked me up in cinemas was uh, when Joy and Bing Bong end up getting thrown into like the pit of sort of like forgotten memories. Where they're just going there to be forgotten. And they're desperate to get back into like the main area of the brain, get back to the fucking control centre. And they're in the bing bong like we rocket cart and they're it's, of course it's powered by song. So they're sitting singing the bing bong song. Which just made me think of fucking Peppa Pig and I hate myself so much more right now. Um but the fucking the little makeshift cart that they get into is powered by song. So, of course, they're sitting singing, going down the ramp, flying up, but they're just not enough to get back, like land up on the the platform back in the, the area, like the land of the brain, let's just say. And it it comes up like the fucking music is so beautiful at this point where it's 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 just like a montage of trying and failing, trying and failing, and Bing Bong realises it's because of too many people in the cart, the weight 
is the reason why it can't fucking fly back up and land on the level. So, as Joy's singing full pelt, like, fucking really putting her heart and soul into it, giving the wee, the, the fucking cart powered by song, full blast. Bing Bong's singing too, so it's got that additional boost. But as it's just about to reach its peak to take off, Bing Bong jumps out the back of the cart and Joy flies off on her own and she's that happy because she knows she's made it and then realises fucking Bing Bong's been left and he's sat there in a pile of memories waving as his hand slowly disappears. It's like he got the fucking Thanos snap and he's just turning into sand telling her, don't forget about me. And you're like, oh yeah, bastard, it's so real. <laughs> I'm fucking crying. And it's just like, oh, this film is so fucking beautiful. Jesus Christ. I'm in my 30s, stop it. That's enough already. But fuck. Um, And I obviously, the film takes a dark pace when she's only left to the devices of her memory, her, her brain being controlled by fear, anger and disgust. And they realise the only way they could probably fix Riley's life is send her back to the Midwest. Have her leave San Francisco and it's the fucking real story of how she steals her parents' credit card and buys a bus ticket and decides to fucking drive, get on a bus and go back to her hometown without her family. And you're just thinking, oh no, like come to your senses fucking sooner rather than later. So obviously that's like the whole drive to get joy and sadness back there as soon as possible. But, um, and it is, it, it does have a beautiful ending when it all kind of gets all happy. But I will mention the film, we've said it has a respectable runtime of one hour, 35 minutes. And there is times where, surprisingly, the film does feel a bit slow. It just does feel like there is a million hurdles for joy and sadness to overcome in order for them to get back to uh, Riley's brain. And you're just thinking, man, obviously you can't tighten this film up anymore or be under like an hour and 20 minutes, which some early animated children's films could sit at that time. But nowadays they have to be well over 90 minutes. But yeah, I could definitely say their point where it's just... Aye, there's just so much shit going on. It's like, okay, we found a way to get there. Oh, shit, it's collapsed. Okay, what about this? Oh, nope, that's fucking collapsed too. And there's just all these things where it's like, man, just just get there already. Because that's it. You just want that fucking happy ending now rather than later. Now, I did talk about the score being really great in this film. And I've went to the, the effort of looking it up. It's from composer Michael Giacchino. A man that's got a music or composition or composing credits to such films as Ratatouille, Doctor Strange, Rogue One and uh, War of the Planet of the Apes as well as many other Pixar films. And I have to admit, the guy really fucking knocked it apart because there's times where it can be light and joyful and then there's times where it's quite dramatic. Like, for example, when joy and sadness fall into the pipes trying to hold on to the core memories, like the dramatic score that kind of plays at that point and you're just thinking, man, this is good. Like, uh, like you could feel the tension and like sort of the adrenaline, a slow, a low level of adrenaline kind of, beating through you, that like you could feel your heart beating as you're thinking, oh fuck, what's going to happen? 
And it is, like, the moments where the fucking Bing Bong sacrifices himself, like, the fucking score is on point at that time. So, yeah, I just wanted to point that out. And the fact that I've got the guy's details, I thought, he deserves to, like, get spoken about. Now, obviously, as the film ends, it is, the, the family's gotten stronger. Like, Riley's got these new memory islands. Uh, they, they make reference to, like, fucking, uh, like, teen vampire werewolf romance island where it's like obviously if that was the thing at the time uh, a wee peek and it does it finishes on like a wee peek into other people's emotions like when they're at the ice rink you get to see inside the mum and dad where they're just like oh they fucking love each other type of like core emotions react to each other and then when Riley bumps into a boy and it cuts to the inside the emotions of the boy and it's like an alarm going girl 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 and it's just all of his emotions fucking screaming and then it kind of, like, as it, like, kind of transitions into, like, your end credits, it kind of goes through several characters you've seen through the film, like, the school teacher, there's, like, a fucking clown, and his memories are all like, oh, we went to fucking art college for six years, I can't believe we're all here now, and just, we're doing children's parties, and that cuts to the fucking cats just being cats, and then it's, like, dogs just fucking being fucking dogs, pressing buttons, and then all of a sudden... It all springs to life and the cat just does a wee flip, kicks the wall and pisses off. So, it is. It's a nice note to kind of finish it on. And I think the closing line of the films is, it was Amy Poulsen, well, Riley's 12 now. What's the worst that could happen? And it's brilliant when they have like their table uh, upgraded and it's got a button for uh, puberty. It's like, what the fuck's puberty? And you're like, oh no. I'm glad they haven't done a sequel because it's just going to get awkward. That's not a kid's film anymore. Um, but it was also brilliant that they also had like a swear button. Like just like a beeper. So every time it was like, what the beep? And they're just like, they're just lovely wee touches that makes this film a fucking joy to watch. Pun intended, I guess. Uh, rewatchability? Oh, fucking yes. Of course it's rewatchable. Like, there's so much wonderful films, like wonderful moments of this film. I would happily watch it. Every once in a while. Obviously, I wouldn't watch it every day because, for fuck's sake, when children latch onto a film, it kills you. Like, it could kill the joy of watching the film if you have to watch it every night just so your kid could go to sleep. But, tell you, this w- wouldn't be the worst one. I've seen some bigger, well, bigger offenders. I mean, Home. That film with, like, Sheldon for the Big Bang Theory and Rihanna. We had to watch that daily. And that killed me. And it, it does get to the point where it's like, this is a good film. And I'm not saying that because I've seen it 93 times already. So it's like, oof. But thankfully, Pixar has like the quality, like it has the style and the substance. So. Now, uh, where does it stand on the IMDb Top 50? It is sandwiched between 149, The Elephant Man, which will be reviewed on Films and Swearing Near You. And beneath it, uh, 151, V for Vendetta. Uh, it's one of these films that is held in high regard, but a lot of times, I can't be arsed with that film. It's strange. I could watch it and probably really enjoy it, but the thought of, you're going to have to watch V for Vendetta, and be like, oh, fuck off. Can't be arsed. So yeah, that's a wee look into my brain and opinion for V for Vendetta. Now, uh, again... Fucking solo stew talking to you. So it is the single man, a BBT, 
I'm going to fucking reverse and hit you with it right now. Box office, sorry, the fucking reversal. Uh, budget for this film was $175 million. Extra special, fucking expensive looking movie, isn't it? So all these fucking animators, voice actors, marketing, and it adds up. But did it make his money back? Oh, fuck yes. Uh, it had a worldwide taking of 80, sorry, $857 million. That is made up of $356 million domestic and $501 million from the foreign market. Now for some trivia, my notes here, we've got uh, the yeast of Eden is a bakery located near Pixar Studio and it only serves one kind of pizza a day. And broccoli is one of the toppings. So that was a point in the film where they're trying to settle into San Francisco and they go to try some pizza. And it is a broccoli top pizza uh, from Yeast of Eden. So a nice wee reference for that little business. And I reckon broccoli on a pizza. Weird. I'm like that person who's like, fuck, like, fuck Hawaiian pizza. Honestly, I just pineapple on a pizza is just no for me. And I tell you, the fucking time I accidentally ordered a vegetable calzone and found pineapple in it. Oh, I tell you, I hope my fucking birthday this year's better. Now, second trivia note. The actors who portrayed sadness and disgust are played by the actors who worked together in The Office. I think I actually mentioned that already, but yeah. Uh, they play similar emotions and personalities as their office personas. Uh, Mindy Kaling, uh, disgust. Plays the character Kelly Kapoor, and Sadness, uh, was it Phyllis Smith, uh, plays the role of Phyllis Lappin Vance. So yeah, gotta give me a drink of water for Amazon one star reviews. Obviously, we like to encourage you to go to Amazon and do your shopping, but please visit filmsandswearing.com first. Why? Just because we have an Amazon link on there and if you shop on Amazon via Films and Swearing we get a commission and it's fucking, it's a nice wee treat. It's nice that if you could go to the effort of visiting Films and Swearing first clicking on our Amazon link and then going buying anything, anything off of Amazon and we end up getting a wee commission off of it which is brilliant. It's nice to get that and when it all adds up we get a like a voucher every once in a while. And it is a broad wee treat just to kind of say, right, the time and effort you put into this podcast year is being rewarded. So yes, if you ever have the opportunity to go shop on Amazon, please go to filmsandswearing.com first. Now, for our one-star reviews, this film was reviewed 1,526 times. And then amongst that, it had 45 one-star reviews, which is fucking hard to imagine, but people will fucking moan about anything on Amazon. A lot of the time it is mostly about just not being happy with the delivery of their said item. Okay, so we have two one-star reviews for you right here. Our first one. An animated film about a mentally ill child. I really didn't like this movie. Other people liked it immensely, but they must have something wrong with them. Which is uh, wrong with them. Which is ironic, as the film is about mental illness. You, sir, are a prick. Uh, Pixar, our next one. Pixar have destroyed the Disney mushy children's moral approach to entertainment. How do you spell yuck? 
This cunt is obviously looked at this film as if it was fucking broccoli and pizza. Yep. I know I could hear you tell me to file that joke, but fuck yous. I like that. Now, next time on Films and Swearing, uh, hopefully I'll be reunited with my brothers. And we can be talking about some fucking films together and we can make fucking crude jokes, like non-PC jokes, jokes about fucking willies and boobs. And, uh, daddy can some fucking weird things too. Uh, I think on our last episode, me and Mike had decided Mike was going to talk about the Elephant Man, I was going to talk about the bridge on the River Kwai, and we'll throw something at Andy as well. Our IMDb season, I swear we are actually well over the halfway mark now. I believe we've got maybe six uh, joint reviews left, and then a couple individual reviews. So maybe eight episodes left to this so maybe by the time we're in our early 30s of like the, the this 200 number that we're into with episodes so maybe by the midway 230s we'll be done and we'll be heading into i'd imagine it'll be our summer season like decade time so we'll have a little amazon not an amazon poll a twitter poll to go on to see which decade you think we should tackle so that's something to look out for in the near future. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do at FAS Podcast for Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, I have been your host. My name is Stuart Sutherland. Thank you for listening to Films and Swearing. And as always, fuck off and tune in next week. <laughs>